Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to SFP Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of SFP Now. Uh, joining me as a uh, most of the time uh, is Raisa, um, and we've got quite a lot to get through today. We'll be talking about uh, Star Wars: Mandalorian, uh, Nancy Drew, uh, Star Trek: Discovery Aftermath, and Lightning, and a few other things. So. Uh, so, Risa, I'll put you in charge. Which do you want to do first? Let's do, let's do Mandalorian. Okay. Uh, so we can... Yeah. Mandalorian. I'm loving it. It's kind of like a spaghetti western in space. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I love it, too, because I was never a western fan, and I can count on one hand the number of westerns I actually took to. Um, prior to this, I took to... Um, um, Firefly, of course, and prior to Firefly, there was that lovely series we grew up with, uh, Wild Wild West with Robert Conrad, which I absolutely adored. Um, so really... Mandal- Mandalorian is in that same vein. Yeah, but it's a bit more serious than Wild Wild West. <laughs> yes, yeah, it is. Um, but it's it's basically, what Mandalorian is basically a, a Western for folks who don't like Westerns. It's also written by people who understand that filler is not our friend. Yep, and mm. that's that's a good thing. Um, I think that it's partially dictated by budget. Uh, the fact that these these episodes obviously cost more money than we'll ever see in our lives. Um, but it's Disney, so they can afford it. But even with that, it's an abbreviated season. I think it's only like eight episodes. And the episodes are only like half an hour, half an hour, and a bit. Yeah, I mean the the closing credits are longer than the episodes sometimes because I was yes. watching the closing credits for the last episode. It was about eight minutes. Yeah, <laughs> closing credits, <laughs> um, which um, is 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 obviously sort of like thanking absolutely everyone, right down to the person in catering and uh, the people in R and D. Um, otherwise, yeah. they they wouldn't be that long. But I, I've liked it so far. I love the introduction. I like the fact that he doesn't say much. <laughs> yes. Um, you know the uh, the actor that's playing the Mandalorian is actually doing a pretty good job of it. Pedro um, Pascal, yes. Yeah, you know, so like um, he's kind, he's kind of like channeling his best inner Clint Eastwood. Yes, um, which is hard to do considering he's essentially doing a voiceover role right now. At whatever point he does take the helmet off, that will probably be a plot point given the Mandalorian culture. But they'll probably take the helmet off at some point in this process, just because it's a Chekhov's gun thing. Um, I, I, but yeah, he's he's doing a very good job of it. 
I think the helmet will come off at some point because um, in in the um, in the Star Wars Rebels series we had a Mandalorian character in that and she she was always taking the helmet off. But then again, she might have been she might have been something like a, a loose Mandalorian, as in she wasn't really a slave to their conventions so much. Mm, um, that because, might be. That might be. Because they did do episodes with her and about and about the Mandalorian culture, and um, she she was somewhat of an outlier. Um, um, but e- even even so, uh, there were other Mandalorian characters that popped up in in Rebels who also took their helmets off. So you know, it might be it might be that it's a certain cult within Mandalorian that that refuses to take the helmet off. Uh, with which case, we can just accuse them of actually nicking the idea from Judge Red. <laughs> <laughs> Because, because Dredd never takes his helmet off. He bathes with it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, now that we've discussed the show overall, we need to discuss what actually matters, which is Baby Yoda. Yeah, ba- Baby Yoda. Uh, <laughs> now, here's a question. Is it is it a clone of Yoda? Um, um, it- the, the impression I get from articles I've read is that it is not... Um, it is not... Um, the Yoda, it is their species breeds fairly rarely because they're so long lived and that that is actually a separate Yoda and mm-hmm. that it's called Yoda because they never actually dealt with what his species name was. Uh-huh. And here's the thing. Um, I, I read briefly in an article that um, in during the early stages of the show's development, George Lucas actually paid, paid visits to the sets and he was rumored to have um, development input, which makes sense because all throughout um, the franchise up to now, he's made a big deal, Lucas has, about the fact that Yoda is a mystery. Mm-hmm. He very um, purposely did not reveal um, Yoda's species name, um, individual name, the name of his planet, anything of that kind. So if we're seeing a baby Yoda in the context of this overall narrative, um, that would suggest that that uh, Lucas gave special permission, and that he's actually got a hand in what we're going to be seeing here. Well, he, he doesn't actually need to give special permission anymore because Disney own the rights. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah. But um, you know, I'm glad that he's got a hand in it um, at least because, so like, um, you know, in recent years, the Star Wars under Disney, it's made made a few clunkers. Um, the The Last Jedi being a case in point with the yeah. longest space chase in history. Yeah. You know. And, um, um, so, so Solo was a solid film, but even that one wasn't as good as it could have been. I, I think Solo was a really good standalone film. It was actually quite enjoyable um, for what it was. And um, it's a shame that they're not going to be able to sort of like follow up on, 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 on how that film ended, mm. you know, in some way. I mean, hopefully they could, they, they could do it um, somehow in, in the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV series, uh, pay, 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 some, pay off some of the loose ends in that. Mm. Um, given that at some point Obi Wan and um, and I oh god I forget the, I forget the character's name now the um, the, the 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 Sith Lord that that, that yeah I'm, I'm blanking too um, blanking. I'll remember it as soon as we stop recording and start hitting myself that's okay. <laughs> um, but you know, g- given that um, the Obi Wan series is likely to be set before 
Obi-Wan kills that Sith Lord uh, yes. once and for all, as we've seen in Rebels. Um, but it, it, is in, it is interesting. And uh, so basically, the new Yoda kid, he, he could well be the offspring of Yoda and that other uh, Yoda female that they had on the Jedi Council. In yeah, Kalos. they could. They could do that. They might have got yeah. busy with it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. What it, what amazes me is the construction of Baby Yoda because here's the thing: original Yoda, voiced by Frank Oz, was essentially was constructed by the Henson Company and was effectively a Muppet. Uh-huh. It was a it was a Muppet that just happened to have more gravitas than Muppets usually do. And regular sized Muppets are not over large, so they then had to figure out scale-wise, what the baby version of a, of a regular-sized Muppet would be, and then physically put it in a carrier that w- they would then use CGI to levitate along. And that's not a minor thing in terms of the logistics. Mm-hmm. So, But, yeah, they, they also use some CGI enhancements on the puppet as well. But the puppet Yeah, yeah they would have to. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the little look on his face in, in, in the most recent episode, um, we're talking about episode three, The Sin. Um, yes. The, the, the look on his little face when, when he's being taken out of back, you know, by, by the client. Yes, you know, when, when, he knows. When it's not over. good. And you go... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was just so like, um, I thought, Mandalore, you bastard. <laughs> I know, I know. And, and here's the thing. People people let, people joke about Disney being a monolith and people bitch about Disney being a monolith. But Baby Yoda is why Disney is a monolith. Um, because the, the fans have just gravitated to the little guy with cult-like adoration for a reason. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's actually wonderful because you you don't get collective experiences like that anymore uh, with, with this kind of entertainment. Yeah, I mean, in, in about a hundred years' time, uh, Disney will not be known for Mickey Mouse. He'll be known for Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> and and there'll be there'll be a song there'll be a, be a movie released uh, which will be criticised for um, racism against puppets, which will be called Song of the Dagobah System. Something like that, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, um, I, I'm I'm just loving it so far. Um, I just um, you know I, I I'm I'm fascinated with where this uh, whole Yoda thing's gonna go. And given how the last episode ended, you know, I'm kind of just wondering, you know, how the shit is gonna hit the fan for Mandalorian in next week. You know, yeah, because his the other Mandalorians backed his play because it's a, it's a societal thing, but he's broken a lot of the rules. Yeah, but Man- by by the same token, it is a foundling, and they're and they're big on foundlings. So, mm-hmm. but the other That's Mandalorians backed his play because of the purge, you know, yeah. because they, yeah. they, you know, that that particular uh, set of of Mandalorians were were heavily impacted by the purge, which purge. Was where, where, where yeah. the Empire so like pretty much, uh, you know. Wipe them out mostly, you know, yeah. pretty much most of the time. Out, which um, I'm think I'm guessing that that purge probably took place sometime after Rebels. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm not sure where where it'd be in, be in the timeline, but it'd have to be sometime after Rebels. Um, or, or, or it might even be it probably. I think it's probably before Rebels because I think they do actually discuss the purge in Rebels, some, Rebels somewhat mm-hmm. a little bit. But it's it's something that's in recent, you know. <laughs> Recent memory, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like it would would be would be around about rebels. It probably be sometime after rebels, I reckon. 
because this is set between uh, the end. Return of the Jedi and and the, and the second set of movies. Yeah. yeah. So so it it makes sense if it was after Rebels. Yeah. The the purge. Um, but it's just so like um. We even have flashbacks to that when 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 he took his took took the um, the Beskar metal to the uh, to to the, to blacksmiths uh, or, or the weapons creator. I don't want to call her. Oh, the, the armor is the name of her character. Yeah, yeah, the armor. So, yeah. And that's how that's that's how I know that he's probably going to take the um, the helmet off at some point because we're seeing his younger self. So we're going to see, they, they cast Pedro Pascal as the adult version of that younger self. So we're going to see that as the payoff. It's going to have to happen. It's just a question of the context when it does. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I mean, we've got, um, we've got about what, um, this was episode three tonight. Three, so we've, so got, we've got five, five more. more episodes left. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the, the last episode is probably going to wear some, sometime around about Christmas holidays, isn't it really? Yeah. Yeah, and and then our Friday nights will no no longer be complete. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh, dear me! But I I I really enjoyed it. I was actually I was actually surprised by how good it was. Yes, I was too. Because um, I because uh, the the Mandalorian was one of those shows I was on the fence about. Um, and uh, and but this this one is is actually I'm I'm happier about this show than I am about most of what's gone on in the movies. If I'm brutally honest. <laughs> Um, yeah, the movies have I think not been great. I think most people would agree with you there. Um, I mean, I I enjoyed uh, the 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 first film in this trilogy. Yeah. Um, the second film was just so like uh, overly long. And they're and they're too, and they're putting too much effort into hammering home how screwed up the Skywalker family is one more time. Mm-hmm. And I just I'm out of steam with that entire subplot. Yeah, it's and, like yeah, yeah. I got it. I got it. The Skywalker men are useless. Let's move on. You know. <laughs> well, it didn't. It didn't actually help that they killed Luke Skywalker in the last one. That 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 enraged a lot of the fan base. Yeah, um, yeah. But you know, to be honest, it kind of made sense to do that to me because how are you going to move it on to the next generation if you don't? True. By the same token, it just I felt like they could have found a different way to do that. But you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Now, um, moving moving on to um, what should we talk about next? Should we talk about well, let's Star let's, Trek? let's keep on, let's keep on with the space opera theme and just move on to uh, Star Trek Discovery Aftermath. Okay, really good comic, um, really really competent storyline. Except the artist on it, uh, I think he was quite inconsistent with his uh, with his drawings of Anson Mount. He, he might have been. Fortunately, this is one of those occasions when I I'm thankful for my relative visual impairment because I didn't notice it, or at least not to the same extent you did. Um, the stuff that mattered to me looked like it ne- looked like it needed to look like. Uh, I was particularly impressed by the rendering of Core. Yeah, Commander that, Core. That he looked exactly he exactly like John Coleco. So I recently um, I'm back on Netflix to watch some Netflix stuff, and I recently rewatched the episode where we meet Commander Core, Errand of Mercy, and he looked exactly like John Calicos. I mean, the, the artist dead on got it. Yeah, he's like a younger, a younger sort of like twenty-something version of John Calicos, and, and yes, you're right, he yeah. was he was bang on with it, and that was consistent throughout. Um, yes. Like every time we seen Core, we knew who he was. Yes. Um, and um, it's kind of funny because Core doesn't really do a lot in it. But no, he doesn't. Of, 
but kind of plays a central part, you know, central pivot point point to the plot. But it no, really but do much. his role is such that I'm wondering if they're going to continue with the storyline because they, they left it they left it open ended. They they did. It was kind of left in the air, and I actually said that in my re, my review that 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 is potential to take this forward in an ongoing story in an ongoing yes. series. You know, I so. hope they I hope they do because um, the Pike's Enterprise portion of season two was frankly one of the better uh, elements of season two, and I really wish they would just either continue in comic format or just give us the series we should have had in the first place because discovery has been functional in part, but largely problematic mm-hmm. and, uh, and Pike's enterprise would go a long way toward redeeming the unevenness of discovery. I, I think it would. And, um, you know, I love the, um, I love the bits where, you know, in, in the, in the, in the story of the comic where Mr. Spock was, where I was reading Mr. Spock's personal logs. Yes. Um, yes. About, about his feelings of, uh, you know, he's, he's basically lost his, his half sister. Yeah. And he can't, he can't acknowledge her. He can't acknowledge no. her publicly because of the, because, because it's meant to be a secret that, that a discovery has been lost. It's 900 year, year, 900 years in the future. Yes. And it's, it, would be, it would be easier for them all if they were allowed to at least publicly grieve the loss, but they can't even do that. Mm. So they're, so they're just sort of stuck. And it, it's, that complicated by I mean, just by the fact that Spock, not being an idiot, probably realizes that the uh, predestination loop that they were all trapped in isn't closed. Mm-hmm. They probably because uh, I, I get the impression that Discovery dragged it to the future. Because here's the thing: the the crystal that Pike got from the monastery, they had made a whole big thing of of how he got that crystal. Part of that was to recontextualize his own story for the purposes of the overall narrative and introducing him. But part of it, I think, was also to establish how one goes about getting those crystals. Mm -hmm. Because at some point, somebody gets one of those crystals from the monastery, because that's the only place to get those, and then he just sort of randomly lets it fall into the black into the black market uh, economy so that Section 31 can pick it up for Project Daedalus and Michael's mother. Just randomly that happens? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think what happens is that crystal is picked up by probably Michael in the future through the same process Pike went through and, and sent back in time to be picked up by her mother in the past. The loop is then closed. So I think I think I think the loop is still open, but it's passed by the House of Sarek. They're no longer impacted by it. I was actually pissed by that arc relative to Sarek because they had spent so much time in season one establishing that he was having to come to grips with the emotional fallout and the shame of his choice to put Michael and Starfleet instead of the Vulcan Science Academy and and, and subsequently the um, the uh, expeditionary force but if you look at that if you look at that predestination paradox she had to be in starfleet for that to happen mm-hmm. for that to play out so that was relative to the paradox the only decision he could make so they went to the, all this trouble to add emotional layers to a vulcan who then has to struggle with emotional layers and then they eliminate his uh they eliminate his agency by trapping him in a predestination loop and then they don't give him the chance to come to grips with that predestination loop or the emotional problems 
They just sort of use him as this giant, they use Sark of Vulcan as this giant plot device and don't allow him to process any of it. Yep. And I'm like, what kind of writing is that? Twice over. It's, it's idiotic. Um, yes, but back to Pike and company. Um, I'm, I'm really hoping that the reason we're, we, we're being given this comic and the reason that I went ahead and bought it and read it, even though because of my limited uh, financial resources and my visual impairment, I don't read as many comics as other folks do. I went ahead and bought this one and, and read it because I wanted to show that there was a market for Pike's Enterprise. And that was the only and the only way to do it. I wanted to show them that this was a series and that this was a corner of the universe that mattered to me and that I wanted to see more of. So did you so, uh, did you pick it up um, after you'd seen my review of the first issue? Or? I, I I did I did because yeah. I wasn't even aware it existed. Well, when even even was I, um, you know, unfortunately, um, as as you know, uh, Patrick Hayes, who uh, did a gazillion comic reviews per week for Sci-Fi Pulse, uh, has decided to call it a day. Uh, mm. You know, because he kind of wanted to spend more time with his family, which is understandable. Uh, but he was also snowed under with tons and tons of uh, of, of of marking because he's a school teacher and he's kind of like in my since I've known him he's kind of gone from from a middle school I think um, to 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 high school. Mm, that's, that would be more grading. And, and high yeah, school is more grading and, um, and 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 I think um, he's gradually you know in 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 his job role he's gradually been taking on more and more responsibility and it's just not he's just had to let something go. Yeah, um, so, yeah. Well, you know, we sad to lose him, but I've kept his account open on Sci-Fi Pulse. So if he ever wants to log back in and uh, and and do do the odd review, not on a weekly basis, but certainly do the odd odd thing when 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 the mood takes him, I'm, I'm quite happy for him to do that. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, because so like he's such part of the site for a long time. But basically, with him leaving, I had to take on more comic reviews. So. Uh. Yeah, um, I'm not sure about my choices so far. I, I kind of picked the Star Trek Discovery one because I knew two issues were out and I could get the last issue and we could do that. And um, I'm carrying on the Star Wars one. And uh, yes, yeah, getting 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 comics that are attached to the shows that we're watching makes sense just in terms of follow through. So, so I, I've um, done those. I've picked up He Man Masters of the Multiverse. To, you know, to you know, in, in this week um, I picked up a. Um, Oh God! I picked up um, some some DC stuff and and a little bit of Marvel stuff. So I'm I'm basically going to be looking to sort of pick up on miniseries more more so than than ongoing stuff. Yeah, that's that's mostly what I read when I read um, because I I don't have the the um, the time or the money or the energy for most of the ongoing ones. So. Yeah, but it's also very hard to, you know, if, you, you, if you're going to start reading an ongoing, stuff, ongoing comic, you need to be able to start at such a point where, where, where that, that particular story arc has actually begun. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'm just going to see how it goes and uh, yeah, yeah. do that. Um, so, um, Star Trek uh, Discovery Aftermath. Um, it's definitely was, a, was, a, was a solid, if somewhat, if somewhat brief storyline. I'm hoping that it, I'm hoping the fact that it's open ended <laughs> means that that uh, IDW <coughs> that puts it out me, will either continue it in comic format or that we are going to be seeing some of that 
in um, a Pikes Enterprise series that, that we're just waiting on the announcement for. Mm-hmm. Fans are hoping and hoping and hoping and hoping and praying to all their gods that we're actually going to get an announcement and that they're just being cagey. Yeah. Um, but my, but, it, but it, could, it could go either way. My cat's praying as well. She's she's basically just put her paws over her eyes. Oh. And she's saying, she's saying, please give us a Captain Pike show so, you know, mm-hmm. so, so I can snooze. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so Nancy Drew. Yes, and here, Not- let me preface this by saying that folks who don't watch Nancy Drew are thinking, oh my God, why is a genre podcast reviewing Nancy Drew? Nancy Drew doesn't have any genre elements. Well, well it Nancy does. Drew didn't have any genre elements until the CW. Yeah, but uh, it did have genre elements uh before CW, you know the 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 use of the use of technology. Um, you know Nancy Drew was always kind of cutting edge with her investment. Oh, that's true. I, mean, I meant in terms of in terms of the like supernatural that. stuff. But, yeah. You know, I you know when I when I when I derive term sci-fi pulse, I'm very very flexible with <laughs> my interpretation of what what I call sci-fi. If it's uh, if it's if it's genre of some sort or other, and and the characters are quirky and likable, I'm yeah. I'm going to cover it. Yeah. No. But the thing is, you, don't, you didn't have to work because this version of Nancy Drew could, could basically be subtitled Nancy Drew and the Ghosts of Horseshoe Bay. Yeah. And they are not um, they are not people in disguise. They're not uh, they're not uh, characters jumping at weird lighting. They're ghosts in Horseshoe Bay. Yeah, but they're not doing the Scooby Doo thing with it. No. Um, and it's and it's and it's all it's all it's all the more wonderful for that. Um, the fact that the ghosts are unapologetically ghosts, damn it, and you are going to interact with them as ghosts because that is what they are, and they're not going to apologize for what they are. Um, it's, it's rather wonderful. The to use a Twin Peaks analogy, the Laura Palmer of the ghosts is a girl named Lucy Sable who was the, um, the town beauty queen. She was crowned sea queen and murdered shortly thereafter. In a stable. In, two, in, in 2000. In a stable. <laughs> no. You know, right. Actually, I'm beginning to think she was murdered elsewhere and tossed off the cliff later, but that's a separate conversation. Yeah, well, I, um, it, it makes sense that she was murdered in a stable and then tossed yeah. off the edge of a cliff. Yeah. Because her name yeah. is Lucy Sable. And <laughs> Sable rhymes with stable. And, that's true. You know, that's you, true. I'm, I'm going there. <laughs> yeah. You can't oh, stop God. me. <laughs> well, well, but yeah. Um, but no, the ghosts are wonderful. Um, occasionally you'll get one that's verbal, but that's rare. Um, most of them don't speak. And so you have to use, um, seance techniques to get through to them, which is unfortunate for one of the, uh, little sisters of the, of the leads. Yeah. Yeah, George is my favourite character. George is kind of like what I'd be like if I was in that situation. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I'd just be pissed off with the whole world. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 not nice. The um the, the situation in Horseshoe Bay is 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 basically the CW version of Twin Peaks with supernatural elements. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, so Twin Peaks had supernatural elements, but even even more so, they're just they're blatant in your face. This is what's happening now. They even have um, mythology in the town that justifies some of the ghost activity. They're not even pretending that the the universe is driven by forces other than what it's actually driven by. And that's actually refreshing because one of the things that bothered mm-hmm. me even when I was a little kid watching Scooby Doo is the fact that the ghosts were never real. 
Because um, I, I, I grew up one of those people who, if it moved like a ghost and talked like a ghost, it needed to kind of be a ghost. It, it always bothered me. The Scooby-Doo logic always bothered me. Yeah, and this is this is better. What I'm enjoying about is uh, is is all the methodology she's using in her investigations. Uh, you know, the for example, she found the uh, the video in the time capsule. Yes, and um, she looked at the video and she kind of got you know she got a first look at Lucy Sable in in that and you know and that was pretty much uh, the last day of her life. Yes, that, yes. that she's seen encapsulated in that time capsule, and you know it was just really interesting. Interesting to see that. Uh, I also liked the little side plot uh, a couple of episodes ago where Nick Nickerson, um, you know, finds out that he's inherited uh, millions of dollars in uh, in, in, bonds. in bonds from from the uh, from Tiffany, who's the yes. who's the, who's the woman that's murdered. That song that kicks it all off. Yes. Um, and um, I, I like the connection with the, you know, that Lucy Sable scene who murdered Tiffany. Yes. And she's trying to help, you know, help help Nancy with the investigation in exchange for... For, get, know, having, for getting her own murder solved. Yeah, yes. for getting her own murder solved and, and, and stuff. And I, I, just, I, I just think it's really clever the way it's all tying together. Uh, but I also like the fact that uh, Nick... Um, has gone off with Georgie um, to to do 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 a few investigations of his own. Yes, you know? yeah, I, I like the fact that that, um, that this this version of of, Man, of Nancy Drew the, the the click that they have is not so clicky that they're not prepared to be independently motivated. Mm-hmm. I also find this interesting. This um, Scott Wolf of Party of Five fame plays Carson Drew. And he's a very interesting version of Carson Drew. He's up to his neck in whatever's going on here. And he's not quite as upstanding as Carson Drew was written initially in the books, which is, for better or worse, frankly, a necessary change in terms of narrative drivers. And uh, and so Nancy has got some some conversations to have and some choices to make going forward, depending on what she finds out. And what's the final I'm, moment of the of the last episode? Um, yeah, Dad, did you kill Lucy Sable? But <laughs> <laughs> wow, <laughs> she just no preamble. She just goes for it, you know. Um, but it's funny. It's funny that you know Nancy Drew's actually become a series now because uh, if you notice, um, over the summer I was actually reviewing Nancy Drew comics, and I was reviewing Nancy Drew comics last summer as well. Oh, that's from, right! From, I remember. Yeah, from, from Dynamite. Like, ooh, every, everything's a comic now. I remember being kind of impressed by that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and in terms of because you were you were asking me about the Hardy Boys and about whether there might be a Hardy Boys spinoff. I want them to be I, in it. I think I think it's almost, I'm almost automatically we're going to get a Hardy Boys spinoff, and not simply because of Nancy Drew, but because the uh, Winchester brothers on Supernatural are heading off into the sunset in the Impala as of the end of this season. They're going to need another set of stud muffins going after the Supernatural. Mm-hmm. And they might replace them with the Hardy Boys, and that might explain at least part of why they've gone the straight-up Supernatural route with Nancy Drew. Because once they establish Nancy Drew, they'll then create a, um, a dedicated arc in like season two or three. 
and or the have, Hardy Boys, and have the shows cross over every now and again, and have the shows cross over like the original show did in the seventies. Yeah. Well, the, the original show wasn't really a crossover in the seventies. It, it was called the, ha- the the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew, wasn't it, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it was. But uh, eventually, the episodes did cross over. There were a few where they were all in them. So yeah, because Although I, I never saw any of those. There were a few that were, were they were all in them. Yeah, I see. I see. Knows um, with Pamela Sue Martin, Park Stevenson, and I can't remember the other guy that played the other. The other guy was uh, uh, Sean Cassidy, brother of David, uncle of Katie Cassidy Rogers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. Well, you know, what I thought was cute was in in the pilot episode of it, they they had Pamela Sue Martin play um, play playing a mystic. She was playing uh, yes, a, that that was playing a, a a medium. That was that was rather wonderful. I'm sorry we haven't seen her since. I I, I would have liked for her to have become a, a recurring. Maybe she will at some later point. I think they've got to bring her back. I mean, you they've know, got because to, yeah. she, she she was a lot more together as a medium than uh, than, than 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 George's mother was. Yes, George's <laughs> mother has problems. She's basically she's basically a perpetual drunk by choice because that's the only way to keep these spirits at bay. short of at bay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she really doesn't want. She doesn't want to see this shit, mm-hmm. and and you can't really blame her because the spirits in this mythology are not nice. None of them are Casper. None of them are even vaguely happy. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're, they're violently dead or they're not human in the first place. And they're even darker than general ghosts. I mean, there, there's a lot of things going on in this mythology. So mm-hmm. these, these are people with problems. <laughs> Yeah, got real problems. It's going to be interesting to see the uh, see, see the fallout of uh, George's sister, though. Uh, next week. Yeah, yeah, that was that's that's almost a whole different narrative now because and that's what that was one of the things that the mother of Victoria was actually worried about. She got on, she was ragging on George, you know, saying, "Why are you getting crossways of these of these car- of these creatures? You could you could end up in a situation that could hurt your sisters." She was specifically worried about that. And now it's happened. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to be interesting to see because, you know, little, little Teddy is not, her newest friend is not alive. Yeah. And uh, her newest friend is not dead Lucy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, she's, uh, that's going to be, that's going to be a real bitch. But might, her, might her newest friend be dead Tiffany? Oh, Ooh, that's a thought. Because mm-hmm. Tiffany... Tiffany might have decided to come back. Yeah, yeah. She, she already tried to uh, take over Georgie, didn't she, in in the prior episode? So yes, yeah, that could that could be Tiffany. That mm. could be Tiffany again. You know, because Tiffany is mad as hell. <laughs> yeah, with reason. That's the other. She's she's one of the justifiably angry ghosts. You know, it's just um, nobody nobody's uh, nobody's chipper. Mm-hmm. So okay. yeah. Um, so. That's um, Nancy Drew. It's not on this week. Um, it's taking a break, and it's going to be coming back. Um, the December fourth. Yeah, so it'll be back. Uh, it'll be back the week after this episode airs. Probably we're going to try and get this out in time for Thanksgiving. Yeah, uh, which yeah. Is next and I, I definitely work. I definitely. Um recommend people go back and watch the series from the beginning. It's it's quite wonderful. It's very unapologetically what it is. And uh, if you, um, it's, it's Nancy Drew meets Twin Peaks um, meets Supernatural, mm-hmm. and that's not a, and it's not a bad thing. Um, but it's Supernatural without going on the road and without an Impala. <laughs> yeah, without an Impala, and um, yeah, so and so far only ghosts and 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 um, supernatural creatures from beyond the veil. There's no you know, like mythological creatures wandering around or anything mm-hmm. like that. 
I mean, oh. it was also it's also cool to see Tip Tap. Is, uh, I can never say announce her first name. Uh, Tim, is it Tyrell Tyrell Rotherly? Oh, it's uh, yeah, it's um, uh, it's Rothery. Uh, I've lost uh, I've lost her first name too. I'll have to look it up. But I know exactly who you're thinking of. And she's she's graduated to mom roles. She played mm. she played the doctor on um, Star Stargate SG One. She's graduated to conniving uh, conniving mom roles, <laughs> which is kind of fun. Yeah, you know, I think Terrell yeah. Rothery. Yeah, Terrell Rothery. That's it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I um, I think I think seen her in a Christmas movie a couple of years back where she played a grandmother. <laughs> so, mm. Okay. You know, so um, not necessarily mum roles, you know, but yeah. you know, um, but conniving roles. <laughs> Yes, yeah. And, and she, she's very good at it, too. Yes. Um, and she was a suspect for a while there as well. Yes, and she could be again, depending on where they go with this. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, Nancy Drew, uh, it's a definite must-watch uh, for anyone who's uh, into supernatural sort of thing. And it's also very adult for uh, for, for a CW show. Yes, I very. I was, I was surprised. I mean, they've got some of the usual CW stuff going on. Uh, in that they insist on taking the couples and breaking them apart and having triangles and all kinds of stuff, but they're putting their own spin on those tropes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's so they're 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 CW to the extent that the, the tropes are there, but they're doing their own thing with them. Yeah, I mean it's a, you know it's a bit like uh, the hundred. That's that's a CW show, and uh, uh, you know that up until I, I see Nancy Drew, the hundred was probably the most adult CW show I'd seen in, in terms of the uh, characterizations and things. But I stopped watching the hundred a couple of years back because it started getting a bit silly. Yeah, no, the yeah. the shows they they either get taken off the air before their time or they drag on too long. Very rarely do you have one of these situations where the show is on for exactly the length of time it needs to be to tell whatever the story is. So, so should we move on to uh, Black Lightning? Yes, because Black Lightning is the one CW show that we haven't discussed at length and it deserves to be discussed in its own right, both um, just for itself and because it, Black Lightning is going to be introduced to the wider multiverse in Crisis coming up. So it's time to actually deal with it. And I have to say, I didn't know what to expect going into this third season, but I'm impressed so far. I'm very impressed. I mean, uh, for me, this has to be the best season so far uh, yes. of, of the um, series. Because I felt the first season, they kind of spent a little bit too much time introducing him and introducing his daughter with superpowers. And the second season, they kind of dragged out the um, the whole song like uh, younger daughter, Camille relationship. Yeah. Yeah, and I have a feeling that they'd probably have done the same thing if if Crisis weren't coming up so quickly. I think we can thank Crisis for all of all of these shows having um, their storylines play out with a little more speed than usual. Well, I've loved the, um, I've loved the Macaulay and stuff. I've loved the um, the the fact that uh, that that the the setting of where it takes place has has kind of like been under martial law. Yes, um, and and uh, Freeland under martial law is about as dystopian as it gets, mm-hmm. um, especially when you consider the the social commentary that's embedded in the show just by virtue of it being the show. Um, so they're. They're not shirking it. They're going down the road, and it's it's bleak. It's really freaking bleak, and it needs to be. Yeah, but it's not it's not bleak bleak because it's devoid of hope or any humor. 
solid thing. No, it? no, but it's it's bleak in terms of the inexorable inexorable logic of it. Um, I, they don't they don't pretend the situation is anything other than it is, and they give it a it could happen here vibe, um, precisely because it's happening here. It's kind of the allegory is only five seconds out, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, and that makes it work. That makes it work because we're we're just about functioning in a post allegory society at this point. Yeah. Um, for those that, that are listening, um, don't worry, you would would have heard that. But uh, that was a song like an ambience in the background when Reese was speaking there. Ah. Uh, basically, Black Lightning's sort of taken over Florida. <laughs> so so the the, the, yeah. am, the ambos run their way the paramedics run their way so like oh yeah nothing i can do about the ambient noise yeah <laughs> wading through from the multiverse but yeah um it's black lightning works because the the allegory is only five seconds out mm-hmm. i mean they're they're making reference to things that are happening in american politics as we speak not in uk politics as well and in uk yeah. politics for that matter um yeah. And it's 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 it, it's actually helpful if you're going to do allegory. It needs to be timely allegory. You know, don't don't make it removed because um, because we'll just end up mentally stripping the allegory out because it just gets in the way. It it does, uh, and it's you know it's um, I just think the characters and the whole setup of it this season has actually been a lot better. Um, yes, and it's kind of if you think about it, it's kind of come full circle again because uh, Black Lightning's wife she's walked out on him again. Only she's walked time. out on him again, and I thought it was interesting that they've done what they've done with her, given given her background is in studying drug addiction. Mm-hmm. And she's uh, they, an addict, and yeah, now she's an addict. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not her fault. She was. They 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 duped her into it. Um, I'm I'm hoping that she gets powers out of it because one of the one of the, one of the issues I had uh, with Lynn was that she seemed like she was on an awful high horse. Mm-hmm. Like she like she she was trying to be empathetic, but she couldn't quite get there, even with her own daughters. And I'm hoping that she gets either gets powers or that this drug addiction storyline takes her off her high horse because she needs to. She needs to get real, and she needs to. There's a level at which she needs to get over herself. Um, she's she's been getting in her own way and getting in her family's way in a lot of. And as 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 realistic as her responses may be up to a point, she needs to she needs to turn the corner and and uh, actually step up like she means it. Yeah, um, and I'm and I'm hoping and I'm hoping that this storyline will allow her to do that. Definitely right, because I've actually found her to be the least likable character in the whole series. She's, she's, she's awful. I mean, I totally yeah. get why they were divorced for a while. Not yeah. only from her side, but from his. Um, that's not a marriage that was going to survive unless something changed about how they were interrelating. And I think that this storyline will help in, on, on one level or another. So, well, I, 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 you know, I've gone from sort of like disliking her to kind of feeling a little bit sorry for her. You know, I feel sorry for it too, to the extent that she didn't choose this. But I'm hoping that she learns from it and mm-hmm. grows from it, and um, and that they're actually able to function as a family unit. Um, I'm I'm glad that she's learning to stand up for herself. I'm I, I loved her interactions with Odell, um, Bill Dukes, Odell. Awesome. Was awesome. Um, his storyline, though, had a shelf life. So what's happened in the most recent episode makes sense. Um, I just hope that they are able to 
string th- string things together in, in in the wake of those events in in a way that makes sense and that she's able to still learn what she needs to learn. Uh, what I want to know is I want to know what's going to happen when the younger daughter uh, bumps into painkiller. Oh my god! Because painkiller is And then we need to deal with painkiller first off. Um, that actor, Jordan Calloway, looks like he's having all the fun. Absolutely. I mean, because he basically, he's basically in Terminator mode and he's just going to town. And so just at the performance level, he looks like he's having just every kind of happy day in his life. But when you consider it at stri- the strictly narrative level, um, it is kind of sadistic. It um, is. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna rip her heart out when she finds out that 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 Camille, um was was kind of like uh, basically he's had all his humanity stripped away from him and he murdered his own mother. It's been turned into, been turned into this murderous murderous guy called Painkiller. Yeah, <laughs> gonna... that's all. That's all that's left. I mean, yeah. what do you do? Um, I'm also interested in. Normally, I don't care about the ship relationships. But I'm kind of interested in the guy that they're obviously setting up to be her new boyfriend. Yeah, um, yeah. He's, he's interesting. He is. You know, he, he revealed that he, he's got the power to like uh, shape, shape, shape pieces of the earth, and yeah, you know, and that's that's going to be, a, I think, a very useful power to um, to have. And so we're we're, we're getting. We're, we're getting we're getting this we're getting the black lightning version of the super friends basically mm-hmm. and um and it's, it's interesting seeing them uh, seeing them come together in the black lightning comics the that group is called the outsiders so i think we're eventually getting the outsiders mm-hmm. and, and it uh, wouldn't surprise me if dc do a run on the outsiders uh, to, to coincide with the cw yeah a, a new run yeah because all of the outsiders i i haven't read them but I, I looked them up briefly to kind of kind of have a a, a background for what we're, we were looking at and all of the outsider stuff is is um, a bit old they they haven't done a new run on them for a while so they'll probably do that eventually and um, you know that'll be interesting because Grace Grace Choi was a member of the Outsiders. Um, Anissa was a member of the Outsiders in her Blackbird and her Blackbird guys. So they're setting it up. It's just a question of how long it's going to take to get the pieces together. Mm-hmm. And and Gambi, he's he's he's, he's like uh, Gambi started out quite small with me, but he's just grown and grown as a character. Yeah, no, he's he's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. Um, you know the 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 most badass white guy in the multiverse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, short of like, short of like um, Oliver himself. Yeah, so he's kind of like the most badass guy, white guy in the multiverse, living in living in uh, a town or um, or a city, which is made up of majority of black people. Yeah, no, he's he's wonderful. He's wonderful. And um, what's what's all the more wonderful is that the actor who plays him, James Remar, has been kicking around the industry for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. He's actually as old as the character he plays. He's in his sixties, and he's one of those characters, character character actors where if you go into his uh, IMDb page, it's like yards long. The man's been in episodes of everything. Yeah, he's just also, kicking around. He's done a hang of a lot of, uh, a lot of genre work as well. Yes. Yeah. You know, because I, I recognized his name and, uh, you know, uh, when, 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 when he was announced in the cast of that night, I thought, oh, this is going to be awesome. Yes. Yeah. This is, this is a guy who's basically pulling on decades of, of experience and, and, and it shows and it, it really, really shows. 
And I, I like when they bring in these older actors who've got like, like James Remar, like Bill Duke, like Robert Townsend in uh, seasons one and two that, that, that have been kicking around the industry for forever and a day and, and have genuinely got stuff to say about, about these characters and these performances. And they also, can't, they, they can't be 20 something. They yeah. can't be 20 something. They also had Michael Wright as well in the second season. He played the guy that resurrected the, uh, the, Oh the, yes. Uh, and man, he's still, he's still with us. Yeah. He's still with us. And, just, and, yeah. and, and Michael, Michael Wright, if you remember, um, we first, seen him as quite a surly 20 something in B. Oh my god, that is him! Yeah. I didn't even make the connection. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's more, I think I think after V, he kind of diverged from the acting a little bit and went more into uh, more into writing and producing and directing. Uh, so it's actually quite rare to see him, you know, in, in acting roles. I think he just does the acting roles to pay the bills so he can do mm-hmm. other stuff. Other stuff, you yeah. know, but then that is him. That's amazing. Oh, so thank you. Yes. Case in point. Uh, they can't all be 20-somethings, and you got to get these older actors in there to, to give us real depth. So otherwise, you don't really have a sense of universe, you know? Mm-hmm. Or multiverse, as the case may be. So. Well, that, that's been the problem all along with, uh, with, a lot, with a lot of shows now. They tend to sort of like skew young, and they, they, they tend to be of the, imp- the, the impression that skewing young means just having nothing but younger actors. Yeah, or it old, doesn't work. Or, or doesn't older work. actors that look young. <laughs> and it yeah. Just, it just doesn't work. It's not believable. No. You know, it's, and it's, um, you know, and it kind of puts you off watching. <laughs> But that line, I just think it's been rocking out of the park this 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 year, and uh, I've been tempted a couple of times to post a review of of it, but it's just sort of like uh, you know. Where, where... The problem the problem I had when I was doing the reviews is, and, and this is and this is and this is true of shows. They function at extremes. They're either extremely solid and extremely good. And so you then have to figure out how to keep saying the show is really good week on week on week, or, or there are, or they're consistently weak and you have to say, figure out how to say this is consistently weak, week on week on week. And it gets tedious to do it either way. Yeah. I've got it down to a fine art though with the ones, with the shows I'm covering. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, you probably noticed that I've not really given Mandalorian really, really high marks in some of the categories. No, you haven't. Um, That's um, understandable because the, the the effects do get a little ropey. They're having a, a video game company do the effects because it's the only way to do them relatively cheaply um, and still get all of the effects that they need done. It, it's not just that. It's just that I, I want to give myself room for when when there is a really ringled episode, I can mark it accordingly without feeling yeah, any sense yeah, of guilt. Cause I, cause I, <laughs> That, I, I didn't know how I didn't know how to review Black Lightning in terms of the scores because it was all this is good, this is good, this is also good, this is also good, this is slightly more good, this is slightly less good, yeah, this is still good. Of, you it's kind like, of you kind of having to give Black Lightning, uh, you know, somewhere in the region of a nine point five to a ten every week in terms of the music. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the music alone. It's like, what do you? I, I, I literally just didn't know how to do my job <laughs> because it's like. I had I had I had no grading curve. Usually with shows there's a curve. But they but even when they have a weaker episode, the weaker episode is still serving such a stronger stronger variation of of a universe that there's I didn't know how to do it. You know? mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so like I think I've learned to do it out of necessity. <laughs> but I, I think even I still get it wrong. It's sort of like it's not uh, it's it's not it's not easy because the the the, the hard part for, for 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 me when reviewing stuff is you kind of have to separate yourself from 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 the fan in yourself. And I, I and I thought I had done that, but with with some of these shows, it is objectively hard because because the baseline is we're really going to function now, mm-hmm. and um, and it's 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 oddly difficult when you actually stumble on a show that consistently functions um and it's you know and and i i and i think it says a lot about the not only the industry as a whole but how jaded we've grown as viewers that we no longer know what to do with shows that actually function consistently um because we're used to shows that don't I don't think it's just that though. I think it's also the fact that we're actually spoiled for choice now. Whereas back in the back in the seventies and eighties, and more, you know, quite a bit of the nineties when we grew up, you yeah. know, you know, during the first thirty years of our lives, <laughs> um, the, there wasn't that much in the way of genre television on. You know, so when whenever there was a genre show, it was a really big deal. And you know, even if it was a bad genre show, it was a really big deal because it was, you know because the, the the television landscape back then was mostly populated by sitcoms and cop shows, so it was mostly like CBS yes. all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, or, or or if it wasn't cop shows and procedure, you know, and and, the, and 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 sitcoms, it was um, medical procedurals or, um, or or soaps. Yeah, and 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 that was it, you know. So if you got say a show come out like Fantastic Journey back in nineteen seventy eight when that came out, um, there, there probably wasn't a great deal else on that was quite like Fantastic Journey back then. Fantastic Journey was a very flawed but a very good show. Yes, you know that got cancelled. You know, I'd be interested to see how that was that that was made now. Yes, but um, but there wasn't very much when when, no. when we grew up in the first thirty years. So. Whereas now, since uh, since cables sort of like become a thing, and um, and now we've got web series and stuff like that, there's a lot more genre stuff around. It's become like yeah. it's become like the western genre has, you know. Because if you look at the western genre, it was really really big on television back in the uh, six, back in the fifties through sixties and seventies, and it kind of died around about mid seventies. Yeah, yeah. I think sci-fi and genre and genre entertainment's kind of become what what the Western was back then. That makes sense, which is which is why uh, a show like Mandal one of the reasons a show like Mandalorian would would catch on because it, 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 it is literally the new Western. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, got a little bit more time left, I think. Um, now I want to bring this up uh, because I want to see if we can get some more hits on this for, for Dominic. But over at SciFiPulse.net, uh, he recently posted an article um, about, you know, what he'd think it'd be, be, be like to bring Sandy Sparrow back to Doctor Who. And um, the premise of his article is based on the fact that um, Sandy Sparrow, um, who we've seen in Blink, yes. that introduced the, um, the, the Weeping Angels, angels. The Weeping yes. angels um, would would have been a fantastic companion for uh, for Matt Smith's Doctor, and yeah, it's a really solid article. And um, I just think you know, more people read it, the better, because it's sort of like uh, it deserves to be read. It's, he makes a lot of good points. Yes, yeah, and I, she was in a lot of ways, um, and I, which I hadn't realized something uh, reading the article was that back in season four, prior to season four. 
uh, Carrie Mulligan was offered the chance to be a full-time companion and she would have had the Donna slot if she had said yes and she didn't I think so we got Donna I think the problem was um, is her career had just broken. You know, that, you know that, yeah, up. and that was more important. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's a it's a, a really good article. It's worth a read, and um, I, I agree with a lot of the points. But what what I didn't necessarily want want to see was a was a romantic involvement with Matt Smith's doctor and and Carrie Mulligan Mulligan's um, Sally. No, no, let's not, let's not, let's not, let's not yeah. do that. Because that, that's where that's where the article went a bit off me, <laughs> um, but you know I just think it was a, it was a good article and and she was a good character. She was a progressive female character in in, in yes, and she was one of the more adult pseudo companion companions or pseudo companions that we had. Um, so and she and she and she held her own quite well. You know, I reckon, you know, the, the actress that played her, Carrie Mulligan, uh, give her about 20 years and she'd make a brilliant Doctor Who. She could do it. She could do it. You know, that, that's an actress yeah. that could do it, um, unlike the current one. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of torn because I, I see what you're saying, but I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to put it all on, on Whitaker simply because we don't know what notes she was given. She could have been told to play it the way she'd been playing it. Well, not, that, that, that is a rumour that's been going around for months now, but I think I think a lot of it's down to the writing as well. Uh, yeah. Because none of the writers on his staff have any genre experience. They're all, they're all coming from sort of like uh, having written political plays and and, and No, I mean, the historicals were the strongest episodes this season. Yeah, and, and the, the historicals were actually uh, the second one, the, the you know which was the strongest, the Punjab one. Yeah, uh, that that was actually written by uh, by, by 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 a political playwright who's yeah. on the staff. Yeah, but I was looking I was looking recently at the uh, at recent news. Uh, obviously, uh, Toby Whithouse has come out and said that rumours of me leaving Doctor Who are or Chibnall, Chibnall, not Whithouse. You no, know, Chris Chibnall, Toby Whithouse would actually be a better showrunner. Sorry, you would. <laughs> Um, uh, but Chris Chibnall's come out and said rumours of me leaving Doctor Who are um, sort of like uh, false, bullshit, whatever sort of thing. Um, but it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to place the blame on him as well because you don't know whether he's been told to skew it a certain way by the BBC. Yeah, because the BBC is the BBC is the the rights holder for this. I mean, so. And none of them, none of them are, are functioning independently of the BBC. Mm. So we're not going to know what the deal is until somebody writes a tell-off, I think yeah. is what the, the moral of the story is. But something is something is wrong. Something, something is wrong. Something is definitely wrong. And, uh, you know, if it's now to carry on the way it is doing, um, it could well mean the end of Doctor Who. Not not permanently, not indefinitely, but for a while at least. At if least they where, need to rest it, I'm okay with that. At least where I'm, the TV show is concerned, it could mean the end of it for a while. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I mean, as, as long as we have Big Finish, I'm okay. So Yeah, so, so am I. I mean, Big, Big Finish is song like, um, you know, even when the new series was at, it, was at its strongest. You know, it's not being as strong as Big Finish in terms of the no, the and it's story. and it's really and it's really scary when you when you see the number of modern Doctor Who characters who've been seeded to Big Finish by the BBC because none of, none of what Big Finish is doing could be done without the BBC's go ahead. Yeah. So the BBC has given them permission to do everything that they've done with the modern characters, with Unit, with the Paternoster Gang, 
with all with with the war master and the war doctor, all of it. And they're doing a spectacular, they're doing a more spectacular job with those modern characters than the folks who actually put them on the screen to start with. And that's really scary. Well, you know what really is scary is the comic books are actually better than the TV series as well. Oh, God. Um, I mean, recently, for example, um, it's it's a lady called Jodie Hauser that's writing the comics at the moment, and uh, and she's been do she's been knocking out of the park in her 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 takes on the characterizations of the Doctor and the uh, and the Fam uh, mm-hmm. are a lot more fleshed out and a uh, lot more well, well thought out and well, you know and 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 be- better done than than the TV show. Uh, but her stories are as well. Um, like she did a she did a great story where where they were going back in time to various different points, and there was this sort of like historical podcast that was going on. Um, you know, where in which the companions actually knew more than the Doctor about the time periods that they were visiting because they'd been listening to this podcast. And it turned out that the person that created this podcast was actually an alien that they encountered in and in, 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 you know. In, in the first in the first um, in the first comic of that particular arc. Oh my god! And and she just sort of like aged. She'd aged up over over the centuries, and uh, and and these aliens are kind of like um, because they 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 can they can sort of shapeshift to a certain degree. They kind of um, blended in with the rest of humanity. Oh wow! You know, so it was actually a really clever story. Um, but the the uh, the thing is, do you, do you remember the Doctor's wife? Yes. Do you remember the reference to the other Time Lord that, that um, transformed from male to female? In oh, the one with the tattoos, yes. Yeah, the, I can't yeah. remember the name of it. Um, Dominic would be, you know, would be sat on my shoulder punching with his, uh, with his uh, hand hit right now saying, um, you know, you know, give me the name of it. But um, Jodie Hauser in the last art that she did in the comic book, she actually um, had the Doctor working with this other Time Lord. Who, oh, wow. who's, who's actually mentioned in the TV series, but we've not seen her in the TV series yet. Oh wow! So you know, it, it shows shows you how much more progressive the uh, the comics and Big Finish are than than TV shows. Yeah, and, and it's and it's a mixed blessing because if you get to the point where the tie-in stuff is better than the show that inspired the tie-in stuff, that's a problem. And because not everybody has access to the tie-in stuff, because you got you got to spend money in the tie-in stuff. And uh, it's, you know, this is, it's a problem. Okay, well, uh, I'm kind of dot tooed out for this year now. Um, what about you? Yeah, a little bit. Should we uh, very, very quickly discuss Crisis before we go? Because we're not going to be yeah, able to do it again. We're, we're not going to be able to discuss it again until until January when it's complete. So we might as well. I'm kind of liking the, the Arrow versus take more. The Arrow versus doing a lot more to advance the story line. And I kind of like the... Uh, I kind of like the fact that uh, they they had to go to Russia in the recent episode, you know, to get get the uh, schematics of a weapon with which they can build to um to, to get rid of Monobel. Yeah, and I think and I think it, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Arrow is heading out. Mm-hmm. I think if Arrow if this weren't Arrow's final season, we would not be would be in a different place with it. But because Arrow is heading out, they're just throwing everything out there. And it's improved the storytelling immensely. And um, their Arrow is doing Arrow, the most grounded show to start with, is doing a better job with the crisis buildup and the shows with the power superpowers and the aliens, uh-huh. um, which is really weird. I mean, truly weird. I mean, again, 
I am still blown away by the fact that we are heading into crisis. We are weeks away from the end of all. About two weeks. About two weeks away from the big shebang. It's all, it's all heading out there. And we have yet to have even a single scene of Neonal having prophetic dreams of red skies and colliding worlds. Yeah, you know, and, and that said, we've not actually seen Nia now for about two weeks. She's yeah. been on it for a couple of weeks. Um, it's almost like they, they, they've kind of like, oh, well, we broke Nia and Brainy up now, so let's, let's put her to the side and, and not use her. Um, and, you know, I think it's quite insulting that they've not used her and they've not made it, you know, made it a thing to actually use her, uh, her prophetic dreams to tie in with the, uh, with the story. I, mean, I, I honestly thought that was the main narrative reason they were bringing her in now, because yes. they, could, they could have brought her in at any point after they introduced um, Monel back into it because she her original uh, inspiration was a member of the Legion of Superheroes, so they could have brought her in at any point after the, after the introduction of the Legion of Superheroes. I specifically thought that apart from her inclusion storyline and the fact that she was trans yeah, well, as a separate as a separate issue, I, I specifically thought they were bringing her in for Crisis. Well, it's not not even a separate issue. I kind of think it's actually insulting that they've not used Nia Now's powers and used what what she can do. I think yeah. it's, I think it's kind of insulting to to the trans community that not, that they're not actually bigging this character up more than, than they than, should than, be. They 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 basically relegated her to a CW love interest with nothing else going on, and it's just and and occasionally she'll help Sean out, but that's yeah. it. And it's like, what was the point? Yeah, you know, what was the point? Because they they, they 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 gave her a really good introduction last year, and and, uh-huh. and now it's just sort of like tapered off into a point where she's she's forever playing second fiddle. You know, I think they need to give her a couple of episodes where where it's her that saves the day. Yes, you know? and and she, I mean, they they basically turned her into James Olsen. She's the new James Olsen. She's the character they don't know how to write for. And considering that they actually had to write out James Olsen, that Meghod Brooks has had enough and that he wanted to be written out, I mean, how, how much longer, how much more is she going to take, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I don't think very much, but I think but, but I think as, a, as an actor, um, you know, she's she's got, got a big future. You know? She has, she has. I think she's going to, yeah, I think she's, you know, I think once she's written out a Supergirl, if that does actually happen at some point, um, it will probably be a bit of a blessing for her because I think she's got so much potential to um, to, to actually do, do a, lot, a lot of really good work. Yes, yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm kind of disappointed in Supergirl. Although, that said, I really did enjoy the last episode with the uh, with, with Mitch Panegi. He's, he's, he's a great villain. He's a great villain. And considering he's not a 60-year-old actor who's in shape like Adrian Paul, he's doing quite well with the more physical elements of it. Well, I, I think he is quite... I think he's I think he's in quite good shape for his age, really. Um, he probably is. But I think, I think part of our problem is that Adrian Paul is such a freak of nature that... that it, it skewed our judgment. No, Adrian Paul dyes his hair. That's what it is. <laughs> he probably does, you know. He probably dyes his hair. I dye yeah. my hair. <laughs> you know, I don't work out, but I dye my hair, and I, and I, and I don't look my age either. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's sort of like uh, I, I just think um, he handled the scenes well. I mean, he's he's getting on for he's about he's probably around about sixty five, sixty six or something now. He, he looks very good for his age uh, then. 
But you know the the, the fact of the matter is he's kind of like um, he, he, he's not really. I, I don't think he's really. I've not really noticed him age that much, to be honest. No, no, he's he's one of those actors that's that's hung on fairly well. Part of the part of it is because I think he always looked middle aged, even when our X Files started out. So that so that as the years passed, he just looks slightly more middle aged than he did to start with. Yeah. So. Well, I think the I think the the youngest I ever seen him look was um, was in the Wes Craven film Shocker. Mm, okay. Where yeah. he played he played he played Shocker in that. Um, the, you know that was the youngest I ever remember seeing him. And then then he was in Night Rider two thousand, which was made back in ninety six or something. Or oh, it's actually made before ninety six. It was made before he did the X Files. Mm, okay. It was made in nineteen ninety one or something. <laughs> um, but he played the villain in Knight Rider 2000, and uh, then 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 we've seen him in X Files. But he's always been he's he's a bit like James Reamer in that that regard. He's kind of one of these jobbing actors that's kind of like he's just just he's just always there. Mm-hmm. And speaking of the, the the female alien that he's playing off of is played by Cara Bono of uh, Stranger Things fame. And uh, she's she's doing she'll she looks like she'll be an interesting foil for him. Mm-hmm. So that'll be cool. Yeah. They're focusing on the bringing in the genre actors. They're getting the names in there. And um, let's see, we've got um, so we've got the Flash. The Flash has been doing pretty good, pretty decent job with the tie-in stuff with uh, with um, Harrison Nash Wells. Harrison and um, I'm I'm liking how they're doing that. This last episode, the, the James Bond homage um, still continued to tie in with Crisis, mm-hmm. and uh, was was actually a, a welcome uh, thematic respite before we get to the heavier stuff. So, because it's going to get heavy in these last couple of episodes before Crisis. Yeah, I've not had a chance to see that episode yet. Um, it, it's good. It's good. Yeah. It's, it'll 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 make you it'll make you laugh. It'll make you laugh and make you happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they put some they put real effort into the uh, the Bond homage elements, and uh, Carlo Rhoda plays the Bond villain. Oh, Carlo Rhoda Rode is awesome. Yeah, no, you'll you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it when you when you get around to it. I I, I very very nearly met Carl Rhodes once. He, he was actually due to attend a convention that I was going to, uh, but unfortunately he had to cancel at the very very last minute, which was really sad because you know he was doing twenty four at the time, mm. and you know I really wanted to meet him because I just thought it was just. Yeah, I just think he's a, a wonderful actor. He is, he is, and he does. He plays his flash role with a twinkle, <laughs> and uh, and it's it's it'll it'll be fun, and uh, and it will also um, bring a bit of a tear to your eye because uh, um, Barry gets some recognition at the end uh, that's been long overdue. So, Ooh, well, you know, I'm a really hard man. I don't cry that easy. So. Ah. <laughs> I think I cry a bit more, so... I, I, you know, I, I, I cry at the most unbelievable things. <laughs> it's never the Fnash or genre-specific. Genre it's sort of like, uh, it's usually if you see a dog being hurt or something daft like that. Mm, yeah, that, the, that me, too. I, I cry at all. That, 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 so. that, that's something that triggers me. Uh, where, where it's maybe children or animal, animals being hurt, that's, that's kind of what triggers me. Yeah, that's, that's, that's me too. I'm, I, I, I mean, to, to give you an example, I still haven't forgiven the, um, the Star Trek film writers for spacing Archer's dog. I mean, just doing that in a, in a throwaway line of dialogue just gutted me. Yeah, the, well, the dog might still be an eye. I mean, you know, you've got, got, got a good and credit. You had faith of the heart. <laughs> Sorry, that was a bad joke. Oh. <laughs> um, 
Well, I think I think on that really bad joke of a note, um, it's probably time to call time on the uh, on on the last regular episode of SFP. Now we're going to be doing in two thousand nineteen, but we 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 will be back with um, a Christmas episode as usual. Um, I've no idea what it'll be about <laughs> <laughs> because we we haven't really planned anything as of yet. But um, we we will be back with uh, with more stuff and hopefully more interviews next year. So uh, thanks for keeping with us, even though we've not done very many shows this. Year. Um, it's been fun doing them and hoping we'll do a lot more of them um, just want to quickly mention that I am working on putting together a Patreon um, for the podcast as well as a website uh, so in 2020 we'll be sort of like rolling it out in the hopes that people will support it and uh, allow us to carry on doing what we do because it costs quite a lot of money for, 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 uh, for me to run the website and, and podcast and uh, you know it, it's uh, it's gotten to a point now where it's uh, not n- no longer viable for me to be, be, be uh, financing it off my own back uh, but on, on that note um, it's been, been great having you listening and uh, we'll be back at you next year bye